Welcome back to Throwing Hands. Uh, Jacob Janoski alongside me is Daniel Woods. Daniel, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Good fights on Saturday. Really excited to talk about it. Yeah, really, really solid stuff on Saturday. So let's, is there anything uh, you saw in the prelims or anything that you want to talk about? Like what's anything that stood out to you? Nothing jumped out uh, major. I mean, we got a really impressive uh, finish or an exciting finish. I'd say with uh, Jonathan Martinez with that knee uh, for the TKO was was really impressive to me but other than that not a lot doing on the on the prelims or anything like that yeah same but uh jamal jamal emmers he did yeah. pretty good i thought i thought he showed some stuff with the five takedowns and yeah i forget who he lost to i think he lost to julian arosa in the contender series but ever since he's been invited to the ufc he's been doing good things so that's what we like to see all right so we're gonna head over to the main card and uh we're gonna start with uh kevin holland trevin giles got canceled because giles had some uh Cardio, uh, cardiology problems, whatever it is. Uh, he's seeing cardiologists soon, so let's hope he gets. He fainted, fainted backstage, uh, getting ready for the fight, right? Yeah, I did. He insisted on going on, I think, but Oof. you know, then the doctor said, "No, you're not yeah. doing this." Anyway, to lightweight matchup of the night, uh, Lynn of Anato versus Bobby Green. What were your thoughts? I mean, in terms of volume, this was just a complete domination by Bobby Green. He just went out and was able to mix up his striking styles. Didn't stick. Too closely to one single thing, kept Venata kind of moving backwards, kept him on his toes. When it came to what was coming next, he was just, I mean, able to fill up this fight. He landed over, he landed 115 significant strikes, added three takedowns. That's that's a pretty impressive day at the office. Uh, just, I mean, and the fact that uh, he was able to land that many significant strikes without knocking Lando Venata out is probably, I would say, uh, a, a tip of the cap to Venata there uh, for being able to stay in that fight. But uh, Bobby Green, a really impressive performance, really a, a good job, I thought, uh, being able to mix things up on Venata and not, not let him know what was coming next. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I mean, you're right. 115 significant strikes is a lot. And Venata got hit 67 times in the head, and he still didn't get knocked out. So it shows the chin on this guy. I mean, he, he lost some of his chin in this fight for sure. And – and he was re- Bobby Green doing well from distance, 89 significant strikes from distance, really keeping him at bay and not letting him get up in the pocket like you and I said that he was supposed to do in order to win this fight. And I think what Bobby Green did really show that, you know, even though he's 33 years old, he could, he's, he could compete, and I think we could, see him, we could possibly find him in the rankings. So what do you think is next for Venata? It's interesting for Venata because this was, this was a rematch between these two guys, if I'm remembering correctly, that it, it ended in a draw a couple of years ago. So Venata's a guy that he's fought some names, but he's, he's never really separated himself in this division. He's got a style that, that honestly pertains well to being kept on the roster. He's, he's kind of an exciting guy. He's got some, some personality to him. I don't know where he goes from here. He's lost two of his last three now. Uh, and then even before that, he had a win uh, against Marcos Rosa Mariano a few fights ago. But since then, it's honestly – 
since March of 2017, when he lost to, to David Tamor, loss, draw, loss, draw, win, loss, win, loss. So Venata's just not been very consistent since he's come to the UFC. Uh, obviously, uh, he came in on short notice, uh, lost to Tony Ferguson in his UFC debut in a fight of the night, and honestly gave Tony everything he was worth. But Venata's a guy that probably has the kind of style and the kind of uh, flair to the way he fights to be able to stay on the roster. I just don't see him honestly moving much beyond the, the role that he has in this division now. Yeah, I have to agree with you. He does have a very exciting style and a very entertaining style of fighting, which will probably keep him on the roster and have some people tune in. But like you're right, I don't see him really moving up. He's been very consistent. He gave uh, Ferguson all he could give him until he got darsed. So. I don't know what's next for him. He's he's he might become like a gatekeeper in this division, kind of like to test new prospects. That's yeah. kind of where I see him going. But for uh, Bobby, on the other hand, um, Bobby Green, on the other hand, um, I think we could see him uh, hop not hop up into the rankings, but his next fight could be you know a Dar a Benil Dariush or a Drew Dober. What do you think? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's coming off back to back wins now. He beat Clay Guida back in in June, so he's a guy that's fought twice recently. He's uh, obviously uh, fighting some of the best fights that he has, honestly, since he was a really a riser in this division, fighting Edson Barboza and Dustin Poirier a couple years ago. Uh, he's at a point where he's kind of redeemed himself after what was a, a pretty rough three-fight losing streak a few years ago. So his ability to bounce back, I think, is something uh, to definitely look at in the UFC. And, and like I said, he's at the age of 33. He's, he's at a point where... Is he probably on the backside of his prime? Yeah, but he's he's fighting better than he has in almost five years. So I would expect him to to get a shot to get back into that top fifteen, certainly. Yep. All right. So sums that sums that fight up. All right. So to Vicente Luque versus Randy Brown. Vicente Luque looked fantastic in this fight, and Randy Brown did too until he got a uh, knee in the face. What are your thoughts on this one? I think this fight honestly went exactly as we were probably expecting it to. Vicente Luque came out, looked great, does, did everything we expected him to do, and Randy Brown was able to hang with him for a while. I think both of us agreed going into this fight that there were some things Randy Brown would be able to do to give himself a chance. I think he did them successfully to an extent, uh, but by the end of that second round, well, the, it never actually got to the end of the second round, but by the time that second round was winding down, Vicente Luco had con complete control of that fight, and he was just able to put Randy Brown down in another spectacular knockout. I mean, Luque is one of the most exciting finishers on the roster right now, and I mean, he, he just lived up to that even more on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, can't, I couldn't put it any better. And Randy Brown did look good in the first round and toward the middle of the second round. But after the middle of the second round, Vicente Luque decided to put on the pressure, get up in the pocket, and uh, maintain octagon control. And Randy Brown was against the fence for the latter part of that second round. And it showed, like, he got, he got hit in the face and then fell down. Then he got back up. Then Luque hit him with the knee, and that was it for him. But Randy Brown should not be deterred from this, I don't think, because he showed some good stuff. He, he got some takedowns, got about the same amount of significant strikes as Luke did. So I feel like he can, he can still make a little bit of noise, and he's still fairly young. Like, I don't know. What do you think's next for him? I think Randy Brown's got some potential. He's, I don't think he's ever going to maybe even be a top 10 guy, but he's, he's certainly got the ability to, to fight around the back end of a top 15, I would say. Uh, he's he's a talented guy. He's only 30 years old uh, and at six foot three, 
fighting at welterweight, he's got some advantages in that division, and I don't think he's had any problems with weight in the past. So, I mean, he's a guy, he was coming off back-to-back wins both in 2019. Uh, he's, he's fought some guys with some pedigree. Obviously, he's dropped uh, fights against Nico Price and Vicente Luque. So I'm not sure he's necessarily a guy that's going to be breaking into the top 10 anytime soon. But he can certainly be a test for some of these guys that are looking to kind of take a step forward towards those top 15 rankings. And I think he's got the ability to kind of be the type of guy that can separate the future challengers from guys that may have gotten overhyped a little bit on their way in. Yeah, I have, I actually have to agree with you there. I think that's a perfect position for him. He's not exactly a Jim Miller type yet. He's, he hasn't established himself as much as Jim Miller has, but he can definitely be a test for those young guys coming in and maybe humble him a little bit. And I have to agree with you there. And I still think he can make some noise in this division, not a title shot, of course, but at 6'3", fighting at 170, he has a reach advantage over just about everyone. So he he can make some noise in this division if he decides to. And I think what's next for uh, Vicente Luque this dude, I think we could see him fight as Damian Meyer or Steven Thompson. I think he's proven himself in the past couple of fights against Nico Price and this last one against Randy Brown. So what do you think's next? I think that's definitely what we're probably looking at here. I would he's already he actually lost to Wonder Boy back in 2019. I would love to see a rematch of that fight uh, because I mean that was a, a fight of the night at UFC 244. So for for a guy as young as Luque uh, coming in at that point uh, less than a year ago against Stephen Thompson, uh, to be able to go out there, uh, record a fight of the night, even in a loss, I think, I think that's something he would probably want to avenge moving forward. And I think it's the type of fight that could launch him up the rankings. Obviously, he's on the cusp of that top 10. Uh, coming in and getting a win over the number six ranked guy in the division who beat you less than a year ago. I don't know if they would book that fight that soon, uh, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long previously that he had fought Nico Price before and he was fighting Nico Price back in May. So I'm not sure we see a Steven Thompson fight quite yet, but I think we will get it eventually. And if he can win that, I think that's what could launch Vicente Luque into contention. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And as we're looking at the rankings right now, if Jeff Neal's ranked number 10, this division stack, I mean, Jeff Neal is quite good. And Vicente Luque, I, I honestly don't see his ranking moving that much because of how stacked this division is. But he has definitely made a name for himself in the past two fights. All right. Oh, yeah, he did a good performance in the night bonus. All right, to uh, something I predicted would happen, Jennifer Maia by submission of Virginia and Calderwood. What do you think? This is just frustrating. This was just <laughs> such a frustrating fight. Because the one thing that we said when Joanne Carterwood took this fight was, well, there were two things. One, why are you taking this fight? And two, from a strategy perspective, you have to be able to dominate on the feet and not get taken down. And she didn't get taken down, but she scored a takedown, which led the fight to go to the, to the ground, which I don't even know why, as an elite-level kickboxer, you're even trying to take Jennifer Maya down. That just doesn't make sense to me. But you come out in this fight, and I think Jennifer Maya showed a little bit more with her boxing skills than we were expecting. She was able to at least stay somewhat even with Calderwood on the feet. And then once it went to the ground, Maya was just able to hunt for that submission from any angle. And Calderwood about got out of position for that arm bar, but Maya was just able to roll with her and wrench it in. And from there, it was elementary. 
because with somebody as such a high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter uh, as Jennifer Maya is, when you give her any kind of opportunity on the ground, that fight's going to be over real quick. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, dumbfounded to why Jennifer Maya decided that she herself would score a takedown against Jennifer Maya. She's very, Maya's very comfortable off her back, and we saw her when she got that armbar from her back. It was obviously the bad decision. She got subbed. So, I don't know. It was a really weird fight. And Jennifer Meyer was uh, doing quite well on the feet, like you said, better than we expected with her boxing skills. All right, to the rankings. Uh, she's getting a title <sighs> shot. Dana White said she's getting a title shot. Yep. So, we know what's next for Jennifer Meyer. And the thing that dumbfounded me was Joanne Caldwell was like, yeah, after a couple more fights, I'll be back in title. Because I'm like, you're 33. You don't ha- exactly have many fights You don't fights have left. a couple more fights, and you were already in title contention before you took this fight. Yeah. it's None it's of not, this makes sense. It doesn't make sense. And the fact that Joanne Calderwood even took the risk, didn't. it just dumbfounds me. You had a payday. You had a pay-per-view payday coming up, and yet you risked it. Now, the thing with Shevchenko is she just likes to fight all the time, so it's not necessarily a pay-per-view all the time for – uh, Shevchenko title fights, but still, it doesn't make sense. You had the title shot. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I think I just pretty much summed it up. Yeah, and honestly, I think she's put herself in a pretty rough position because moving forward, as as hot as some some of these fighters are at the top of the UFC women's flyweight division, unless she's going to take a little bit more of a well. Honestly, it wasn't that much of a step down. It wouldn't be that much of a step down because this was three versus six. Unless she's going to take a step down and fight Roxanne Modafferi, who's coming off a loss to Lauren Murphy, if she wants to stay in any kind of relevance as a contender, her next fight's going to be against somebody coming off of a win. Yeah, it, it might be Lauren Murphy. I could see that going well. Uh, not going well for Calderwood. I mean, she's getting old now. But this is that would I think that's probably what's next for Calderwood. And with... I don't know. It's just a dumb decision. And besides Shevchenko, who's heads and heels above everybody else, this is a pretty decent division if you look. I mean, Macy Barber's ranked 10, and she, she's she got a lot of potential. So it's it's a tough division to get ranked uh, put up in. So I don't know what's up with Calderwood. Do you have anything else to add? There's not much to add to it from my perspective. It's just frustrating because, I mean, you never want to see somebody get in a position where – they're in title contention, and they put themselves in a position to fall out. And that's exactly what happened here. I like Joanne Calderwood. I like the way she fights. I think her kickboxing style makes her a really exciting fighter. But this was just frustrating to watch, and it was almost like you could have predicted it from the second she took the fight on short notice. Yeah, ill-advised decisions from Joanne Calderwood. All right, to the main event of the evening. Uh, you and I both said Shabazzian would win, but I think this loss turned out better for him in the long run. What were your thoughts on this? I think Edmund Shabazzian's going to learn a lot from this, but I think this is the best we've seen Derek Brunson in, in quite a while. Obviously, he came into this fight really motivated. He was a 3-1 to one underdog, which as a 36-year-old with 28 professional fights going up against a 22-year-old, I don't care how much of a how much of a pedigree Edmund Shabazian had. If I was Derek Brunson and I'm 36 year old, 36 years old on a two fight win streak coming in against a 22 year old, I would have come into this fight pissed coming in as a three to one underdog. And that's exactly what he did. He just mauled Edmund Shabazian. Uh, Really. It was a pretty even fight to an extent. 
and for a while, but the end of that second round, Derek Brunson just absolutely mauled Shabazian. Honestly, looking back at it, I don't think this fight, if it wasn't ended at the uh, – Shabazian got saved by the bell. I understand that. But I don't think he should have come out for that third round. And yeah. Dana White has said as much himself that, that there should have been a doctor stoppage at the end of that second round because Shabazian was not going to last very long in that third round, and he certainly didn't. Yeah, I think that's also on the coaches right there. I mean, you have to protect your fighter. Derek Brunson's a beast. He's Division II All-American wrestler. He, 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 and that's how he won the fight, mixing up takedowns and striking. As you can see here, 107 total strikes, and he had four takedowns. He, was, he always threatened that takedown, which caught Shabazzian off guard. Shabazzian won the first round, but other than that, he really got stumped in the second, and then Herb Dean stopped the fight 28 seconds into the third round, which is a very, very – good stoppage on Herb Dean's part. Always get the good stops from Herb Dean. Anyway, so on to what's next. For Shabazzian, it's kind of interesting, I think. I think he his ranking doesn't change, but I could see him getting the loser of Romero and uh, Uriah Hall. What do you think? That makes perfect sense to me. It's, it's definitely uh, – Shabazzian is not a guy that you want to put up against uh, somebody coming off of a win right now because at, at 22 years old – He's obviously, I would say, the top prospect in this division by far right now. Uh, obviously, the middleweight division is, is pretty deep. But as far as young and up, young up and comers go, Shabazzian is it right now. Uh, I could see probably the loser of Uriah Hall and Euro Romero. If they want to give him a little bit more time uh, to get back on his feet, I could probably see an, an Ian Heinish fight getting made too because that's somebody that Derek Brunson beat already. And it would be it would give Shabazian a chance to still get a win over a top fifteen guy, uh, but honestly not be put in that that difficult of a position to to try to avoid, I would say, going on a two fight losing streak by facing a top ten guy. I think Shabazian would do fine with the loser of Hall and Romero. I just think the possibility of taking a, a little bit further step back and facing somebody like Ian Heinish or Marvin Vittori may be something the UFC looks into doing just to get a little bit more confidence in Shabazian's camp. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. And I, I'm at 22, uh, he'll probably be 23 by the next time he fights, I think. But I wouldn't exactly want to fight uh, a Yoa Romero coming off a loss. That's not. I wouldn't exactly be too excited about the most terrifying person in the UFC and even a Uriah Hall off the loss. That'd be, that'd be tough. So I like what you've said about maybe an Ian Heinish or Marvin Vittori. And, but Vittori has some momentum, so that could be yeah. a little tough for uh, Shabazzian. All right. Dan, do you have any news that you want to share? A couple things. So All right. we, we ha there was an interview, uh, I believe, either today or yesterday. Well, we're recording this on Monday. This is Monday, August 3rd. And there's a recent interview with uh, Tyron Woodley uh, that's been picked up by some uh, major outlet, Quick with Mike Swick podcast, where he has come out now and said that they're getting real close on a date for a fight between Tyron Woodley and Colby Covington, which he is saying uh, Woodley is, has said is the biggest fight of his career. He said it's looking to be a main event on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington in either September or October said the fight is for sure. They're just looking for a date. All right. I, I can dig that. And I, I don't think this is Tyron Woodley's biggest fight of his career. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. He's fought in five title fights, four or five title fights, I think. 
And I don't know, Kobe Covington is he he gets people to view, and I guess I could see why he could think that could be his best biggest fight ever because he's because of the pay per view draw that excuse me, Kobe Covington brings to the table. And it, it's it's going to be a banger, I think, with how Kobe and Tyron Woodley fight. I mean, they I mean, Tyron Woodley likes to take it to the ground, but he can also stand and punch. And they're both divisional wrestlers, so it'll be a diverse matchup. Yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting fight. It's something that people have been clamoring for a little bit uh, for a little while now. And I think it'll be a really exciting fight. It's two guys that are both kind of trying to get back on their feet in this division uh, that, well, Woodley obviously – took a good bit of time off and then lost to Gilbert Burns. Uh, Covington's been off for a while. These are two guys that kind of in their time off got passed up a little bit in this division and are kind of trying to climb back to the top. Yeah, definitely. What else? Um, the one other thing, and this is more of a more of a, a note that is mostly just relevant to our podcast, but I'm sure it's it's interesting to some of the more hardcore UFC fans. Our boy. Tanner Bozer is not going to get Maurice Green like he's been calling out for a little while now. However, he is getting a fight on October 3rd against Andre Arlovsky, former world oh, champion, oh, I think is going to be an outstanding fight. Yeah, I have to agree there. And I think with uh, Andre Arlovsky say he's become the Jim Miller of this division, I think that gatekeeper testing these prospects, he, he showed Felipe Lins what the UFC was about back in May. And I think Tanner Bozer, who's on a little streak, who has some momentum behind him after these last two wins coming off knockouts, this could be this will be his first real test against a real, real tough opponent in Arlovsky. Yes, Arlovsky's about 40, but he could still stand in there and bang with the best of them. Former world champ, you can't count him out. Anything else? That's That's all as far as news goes for me. Obviously, the... This we can brush over this real quickly. The Mike Perry saga has continued. He's apologized to the UFC, promises to be a better role model. So honestly, for his sake, I hope he can. I hope he can get things straightened out. His his girlfriend uh, Latoria Gonzalez, who cornered him in his fight against Mickey Gall, announced four days ago that she's pregnant. So I really hope for Mike Perry's sake, for his family's sake, and honestly, for the UFC's sake, because he's a really exciting fighter, I hope he can get things straightened out. It seems like he wants to get things straightened out with his life. So I'm excited for, for Mike Perry to hopefully be able to be able to move on from some of his past mistakes and, and get back to where he was as, as a top flight fighter. Yeah, I hope so too. I, I hope he gets his stuff together. And uh, one more piece of news. We have a uh... Jared Cannonier and Robbie Whitaker coming up, uh, I think, at 254, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I, I'm surprised Cannonier didn't try to hold out for a title fight. Maybe he did, uh, and, and the UFC just wasn't going to give it to him. Honestly, I had kind of seen him as the uncrowned number one contender uh, since, he had, since he started coming off this injury. I'm really excited for this fight. I love both of these guys. Obviously, when we were previewing Whitaker's fight with Darren Till, I kind of raved about how much I love to watch Robert Whitaker fight. And Jared Cannonier is a very similar guy to that. I think clearly the winner of this fight is the next contender for Israel Adesanya. That's, that's pretty clear to me. So if, if the UFC kind of wants this fight to, to clear up who the true number one contender is, I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, I- I have to agree there. I personally would have liked to see Jared Cannonier get that next title shot, but that would have been a really long layoff for Cannonier. So I, 
I understand Robbie Whitaker and Kenny are going at it. It will be a great fight, no doubt. But uh, he, I think winner gets Adesanya, loser gets uh, – no, winner gets the winner of the title fight and loser gets the loser of the title fight. I think that's what we see. So yeah. you got anything else? Nothing really. Just again, the UFC is just pumping these cards out. We got contender series coming back this week. I'm excited for that. So it's, it's an exciting time to be an MMA fan. I feel like I'm saying that every episode, but it's an exciting time to be a fan of mixed martial arts. It is. It is. All right. Well, thanks for coming back, Daniel. It's always appreciated that you take time every day to join me and we'll see you guys next time.